Amen. If you turn your Bibles, please, to the book of 1 Samuel, the book of 1 Samuel chapter 10, beginning with verse number 1. And we want to ask this morning, what is the measure of a man? What is it that we look for when we look to aspire as to what we uh, would want to be? What uh, sort of skills do we want to have? What sort of uh, mindset? What sort of education? And we think about that as we look at our own personal life, as we look for people to look around and aspire to be like. And uh, as young people look towards the older generation and think, okay, I want to be like this person. And you think about how the uh, young men look up to the older men and the young boys look up to the older men and and, uh, they'll pick someone out that they want to be like. And maybe when you were, were growing up, you know, you had someone that you really looked up to and you would say that, that uh, I want it to be just like that person. And we think about what is the measure of the band or what is the measure of a person when we look to our, our leaders? What type of qualities do we want to look in our leaders? You know, what sort of attributes do we want them to have? What sort of education would we like them to have? What sort of military tactics would we like them to have? What kind of policies would we like them to have? And we think about that as we look for our leaders for our nation, as we look for leaders in other places. But also we need to think about what is the measure of a man when we look into the realm of the church. When we think about our spiritual uh, leaders, what is the measure? What am I looking for? And I can only imagine when um, the, uh, the search committee came uh, to interview me looking for a, a pastor for, to be here at Pine Grove, I can only imagine what they were thinking. You know, what are we looking for? And to, to see that and to look at me and say, well, that's exactly what we want. But I'm glad they did, and I'm glad to be here. And I want us to be challenged every day to think about what is the measure of who we are. What makes us who we are? What makes someone great in the kingdom of God? What makes someone great in God's sight? What allows us to do great things in the kingdom of God? The people of uh, Israel demanded they wanted a king. And God gave them exactly what they were looking for. But it turned out what they thought made a great person or what would make a great king was, isn't what makes a great leader in the eyes of God. So as we read through these scriptures this morning, as we talk about them for a few minutes, we challenge our hearts and our lives to say, I want to be a great man of God. And I want to be a great woman of God, not to the measure of the world, but to the measure of Christ Jesus. So let's read together in 1 Samuel chapter 10. Let's begin with verse number 1. It says, Then Samuel took the flask of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him and said, He has, uh, uh, has not the Lord anointed you to be prince over the people of Israel, and you shall reign over the people of the Lord, and you will save them from the hand of their surrounding enemies. And this shall be a sign to you that the Lord has anointed you to be prince over his heritage. When you depart from me today, you will meet two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory 
of, uh, of Ben-Jaron at Zerulah. And they will say to you, the donkeys that you have uh, been searching for have been found. And now your father has ceased to care about the donkeys and is anxious about you, saying, What shall I do about my son? Then you shall go on from there further and come to the oak of Tabar. There men going up to to God at Bethel will meet you there, one carrying three young goats and another carrying three uh, loaves of bread and another carrying a skin of wine. And they will greet you and give you two loaves of bread, which you shall accept from their hand. And after that, you shall come to Gildath uh, Ebon, where there is a garrison of the Philistines. And there, as soon as you come to the city, you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with the harps and the tambourines, the flute and the lyre before them prophesying. Then the Spirit of the Lord will rush upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. Now when these signs meet you, do what, do what your hand finds to do. For God is with you. Then go down before you, then I go down before you to Gilgal, and behold, I am coming down to you to offer burnt offerings and to sacrifice peace offerings. Seven days you shall wait until I come to you and show you what you shall do. When he turned his back to leave Samuel, God gave him another heart, and all these signs came to pass that day. When he when they came uh, to Gilbath, Behold, a group of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God rushed upon him, and the prophets among them, I mean, and prophesied among them. And when all who knew him uh, presently saw he was prophesying with the prophets, the people said to one another, What has come over the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? And a man of the place answered, Who is there? Who is their father? Therefore, it became a proverb, is Saul among the prophets. When he had finished prophesying, he came to the high place. Saul's uncle said to him and to his servants, where did you go? And he said, to seek the donkeys. And when we saw that they had not been found, we went to Samuel. And Saul's uncle said, please tell me what Samuel said to you. And Saul said to such to his uncle, he told us plainly that the donkeys had been found, but about the matter of the kingdom of which Samuel had spoken, he did not tell anything. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word, Lord, and how it guides us. Lord, and I just pray, Lord, as we just spend just a few few moments, Lord, in your word. Lord, we're challenged, Lord, to look in our hearts to ask ourselves, are we a true man of God? Are we a true woman of God? And Lord, if not, Lord, we seek your spirit to guide us this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. What is the measure of a man? Uh, The people of Israel said that they wanted a king. And so the search was on that God was going to appoint a king for them. And Saul thought it would be, I mean, God thought it would be a great idea, as we would see, to give the people exactly what they wanted. We wanted to give uh, them what they wanted. They wanted a king that looked like a king and acted like a king and talked like a king. And so God was going to give them 
what they want. But in this encounter, we see with the anointing of Saul, we see what it makes or what makes a man. What is the measure of a person? What makes us who we are? What makes us great leadership potential? What makes us potential vessels of God as people that can be used by Him in His kingdom work? Now, in chapter 9... It first gives us two things that tell us what God is not looking for. It gives us two barometers that do not give us the measure of what it truly means to be a man or a woman that God can use. So if you look, just flip back to uh, chapter 9 and look at those first few verses where it says this. It says, There was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Adai, Son of Zor, son of Borkath, son of Ephra, a Benjamite, a man of wealth, and who had, who had a son whose name was Saul, a handsome young man. There was not a man among the people of Israel more handsome than he. For his shoulder, from his shoulders upwards, he was taller than any of the people. Here's what we think about the measure of the man. Here's what we would think about a great king. Who would be a great servant in this kingship position? Here was a man whose father and his family were prominent people. They had great wealth, and they had great money, and they had great influence, and they had a son. The son's name was Saul, and Saul was the most handsomest person in Israel. What a great title the most handsome in person in Israel. And not only was he the most handsomest person in Israel, but he was head and shoulders taller than anybody else. He was the biggest. He was the strongest. He was the prettiest. He was from the prominent family. And we think, or they would have thought, this looks like a king because this is how all the other nations measure their kings. This is what makes a great king, prominent, educated, wealthy, handsome, tall, and strong. And because of their lineage, because of their outward appearance, they would assume, hey, this is what God's looking for. And many of us, when we choose the people around us. And even when we choose our spiritual leaders, we look at the prominence. We look at the wealth. We look at the outer appearance. We look for their statues. We look for their abilities. And we say, this is the measure of a man. This is what a great man of God is. This is someone that God wants to use. And if you don't fit into that category, then God must be less likely to use you. The outward appearance. And many people think that you can tell someone that God can use based on their looks, based on outward appearance, based on what it looks like to you. But it's not true. But a lot of times, those are the people that we use. We make our decisions based on outward appearance. And that's not what God's looking for. 
he gives us another thing that God's not looking for. This comes at a time where, as it said in the scripture, that uh, they had lost uh, some animals, and they went to go find these, these donkeys, and uh, they couldn't find them. And uh, they, were, uh, they were lost, and the people were like, uh, their servants that were with Saul were saying, hey, we need to just turn and go home and go back, because I'm pretty sure your daddy's getting worried about you, and he's going to worry about you, more about you than he's going to worry about them, uh, them donkeys. And uh, so they said, well, uh, Saul says, well, I think we're close to where uh, that seer, that's what they call their prophets, then the seer Samuel is. So let's go, uh, let's go see what he has to say. And um, they were like, okay, well, let's go, let's go see him. And so they walk, and Samuel recognizes him. And he says to him, and he draws them aside and said, hey, I want to have a meeting with you. I'm having a feast here at the high place, and I want you to come join me. And so he brings them in to this high place, and they have the banquet. And uh, Saul brings him aside. I mean, uh, Samuel brings Saul aside, and he says, uh, God has anointed you to be king over Israel. And this is what Samuel's, I mean, this is what Saul's response was. Even though that he was from a family of wealth and prominence in his family, and even though he was tall in statue, and even though he was handsome, this is what he said. He said in verse number 21 of, verse no, of chapter 9, it says, Saul answered, Am I not a Benjaminite from the least of the tribes of Israel? And is not my clan my humblest of all the clans of the tribes of Benjamin? Why then have you spoken to me in this way? Saul thought, because of his family heritage, because of his past, that God couldn't use him. The tribe of Benjamin was the least of the tribes of Israel. And this was true because not too uh, much uh, earlier, back at the end of the book of Judges, we read where the tribe of Benjamin was almost completely wiped out because of their sin. And so they were the least of the tribes. And they had to bear the scar of iniquity of what some of their forefathers did. And because he was from the lowest tribe, of the lowest clan, of the lowest of the sons of, the, of Israel, he thought, surely God cannot use me. Surely God cannot work through me. I've made too many mistakes. And too many times in our life as Christians, that's the way we think. Because of my past, because of my family, because of the mistakes that I've made, God can't use me. And he wants you to know, he wants you to know that that's not true. And he wants us to know that the measure of the past, I mean the measure of the man isn't in his past, but rather what God can do through him. So there are some who may look around this morning and look at the outward appearance and say, well, those are the people that God wants to use. Those are the people that God wants to be leaders because they just look like it. 
And then maybe you're looking back at yourself and saying, you know what? God can't use me because I don't look like a leader. Because I don't act like a leader. Because I've made mistakes in my past. Surely, God can't use me. But he wants us to know this morning that it's not about us. It's not about us that makes us worthy before God. Here is what the measure of a true man of God is. And so, as they have this time with Samuel, Samuel comes and, uh, and he meets with him. And he says to him privately, he says that the Lord has anointed you. The Lord has anointed you to be king over Israel. And this will be the sign for you to let you know that this anointing is sure. So really what the measure of a person that God can use is a person that is called by God. Samuel was called by God, not because of his past, not because of his appearance, not because of his lineage, not because of his pedigree, but God in his own grace, in his own mercy, and on his own sovereignty said, Saul, I want to use you. And that's all you need. And that's all you need. And I want us to know with great confidence this morning that God is calling each of you and saying, hey, I want to use you. Hey, I have anointed you to be my child. I have anointed you to be in my kingdom. I have anointed you to be about my work. And we're like, but, 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 but. You know, you sound like an old truck trying to crank up, but, 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 but. He had a call, and his call was firmed in two ways. First of all, Samuel told him. And sometimes that's what it takes sometimes for somebody else to look at us and say, you know what, God can use you. God has a special plan for you. You may not realize it. You may think that you're unworthy, but I want you to know that God can use you. And Samuel gave him a specific call to say, Saul, here's how God is going to use it. And so not only did he give him a calling that was affirmed by Saul's, uh, Samuel's words, but he also gave him a call that was uh, delivered by signs. And he says, well, you're going to go, go here, and you're going to find these people, and they're going to have this, and then you're going to go there, and then you're going to see this, and then this is going to happen. And through those signs and through those things, you see, or Saul was able to see that this calling was real. And so when we feel God calling in our life, we feel that affirmation sometimes between people who tell us that, uh, that God can, can use us. And we see God working in signs to know, to let us know that God can use us in this way. And so Saul had a calling, a calling from God. But he also had not only this calling, but he also had God's spirit. Verse 6 says this, it says, Then the Spirit of the Lord will rush upon you, and will, you will prophesy, and then you will be turned into another man. When the Spirit of God enters in your heart, that's what makes you worthy. 
That what makes you able. That's what makes you able to do what it is that God has called you to do. That's why all those things in your past don't matter. That's why all your inabilities and limitations doesn't matter because it's not going to rely on any of those, but rather it's going to rely on the Spirit of God working in you, and the Spirit of God will turn you into a whole other person. Has God made, himself, made you new through Christ Jesus? Has He really turned your heart and life around? Or did you just become a wet sinner? You really haven't changed your heart. You really haven't changed your life. But God wants to make you new. And if you allow His Spirit to work within you, He will turn you into a whole new person. So he had God's call. He had God's spirit. He also had this in verse number nine. And so when he turned his back to leave, God gave him another heart, and all these signs came to pass that day. He not only gave him a new heart, I mean, a new, his, his spirit, but he also gave him a new heart. He completely transformed him. He completely made him into something new. And God, if we have received Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, he has given us each a new heart. It's like what we talked about last week during the Lord's Supper in the New Covenant, that the Lord has taken out that old heart of stone and replaced it with a heart of flesh, and he has put his spirit within us so that we will walk in his statutes, and we will be careful to obey his rules. God has changed us. He has made us new for the inside out. We were unworthy of salvation. We were unworthy to be in his service. But God has made us worthy. It's not about us. It's not about us. So he had the calling. He had a changed spirit. He had a new heart. But he also had a changed life. Look at verse number 11. It says, And when all who knew him previously saw how he prophesied with the prophets, the people said to one another, What has come over the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? I just want to think in your life. When you came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, when you walked back out in that world, did people look at you in such a way and say, Man, is that really Larry? Is that really Miss Patsy? Is that really Ronnie? Something's different. Something's changed. I'm seeing them act in ways that I've never seen them act before. I'm seeing doing, I see them doing things that I've never seen them do before. How are they able to do it? I thought they were nobodies. I thought, you know, they were just uh, old sinners. I just thought they, you know, well, were people uh, 
that were old sinners. I had no idea they could do this. How or is it that they're able to do this in the how? It's through the changed heart and the Spirit of Christ within you. Has God changed your life? Are you different? Are you different than the ones that you see around you that you would probably swear up and down don't know Jesus? Can you really tell a difference? Is there such a difference in your heart, in your life, in the way that you respond to people, in the way that you respond to circumstances around you? They say, man, he's different. If not, I pray this morning, I pray this morning that God will really change you, that you will take hold of his spirit in your heart and in your life, and that you will allow him to make you new. So Saul may have thought, some may have thought, he looks like a king, he must be a king. But Saul rather in his heart had doubts because he thought because of his past, because of his lineage, because of who he was, God could never use him. But then Samuel let him know it wasn't about him, but it was about God. And God's calling on his life, God enabling through the power of the Holy Spirit, God changing his heart, and God changing his life. And through that is what was going to allow Saul to be a great king. And that is what you will allow you to be a great man and a great woman of God if you will just let God's Spirit change you. If you will just let that new heart work in you. If you start following Him in obedience, you will see how much God is able to do in your heart, in your life. But as we know, even early on in Saul's life, we kind of saw the character flaw. We kind of saw the weakness. And so he tells them to go to a place where he's going to be anointed as king. And, um, and so they go, go to the place, and there is, uh, is Saul. I mean, there's Samuel. He's standing before the people, and uh, he's getting ready to uh, introduce the new king. And I want us to uh, pay attention um, to how Saul has introduced the new servant of God, the new king, Listen to what he says. But today you have rejected God who saves you from all of your calamities and distresses. And you have said to him, set a king over us. Now, therefore, present yourself before the Lord by your tribes and your thousands and, and your people. And I will give you a king. Wow, what a great introduction. What a great introduction to the grand new king. But God had the ability to use Saul. And he could have done so much more with him. But he never really let God change his heart. He never really allowed God to seep into his life. He always wanted to do things his way. And we really get ahead of that in verse number 22 of chapter 10. It says, so they inquired again of the Lord. 
Is there a man still to come? And the Lord said, Behold, he has hidden himself among the baggage. They drew out all the great leaders of all the tribes of Israel, and they cast lots, and the lot fell on Benjamin, on the tribe of Benjamin. And so they had all the, uh, the clans of Benjamin come together, and then all of the families, and uh, they didn't find nobody. And they're saying, well, is there anybody else? Where is this king that you're supposed to appoint for us? And the Lord says, he's hiding in the baggage. You see, we find out that Saul was kind of like an M&M. He was, uh, had a hard shell on the outside but he was really, really soft on the inside. And he was scared. And that fear in his heart led him to some of the biggest mistakes in his life. Because as he approached his role as king, he thought about it in terms of what he could do. And deep down inside in his heart, he knew he wasn't able he never really embraced the reality that it wasn't about him, but rather it was about God. And too many times in our hearts and our lives, and too many people in the church are like Saul. God has called us to do great things. God has anointed us for great tasks and great responsibilities and great witnesses, but we're hiding in the baggage, scared to go out and do what it is that God has called us to do. And why? The same reason as Saul, because we think it's about us. We think it's about what we can do. And that's when we start thinking about our limitations. That's when we start thinking about our sins. That's when we start thinking about our fears. That's when we start thinking about what people say and we forget that we are called of God, that we are equipped with His Spirit, that He has given us a new heart, and He has changed our lives, and He has made us new, and He has sent us out. This morning, get out of the baggage. Get out of the baggage and come stand and do what it is. And live the life that God has called you to. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for your presence this morning. Lord, I pray your spirit, Lord, will be in this place this morning. Lord, that you will give us strength and that you will give us courage. To not rely on our own strength, but rather to put our trust and our hope and our faith in the new heart that you have given us and the Holy Spirit you have placed within us. And let us use that to follow you this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's stand and sing.